Welcome to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. We are four optometrists who graduated from the Illinois College of Optometry and are working across North America. And today we're talking about all things regarding jobs, basically what to expect during the hiring process, interviews, employment contracts, and of course, what to actually expect for income as a new grad. We will also go over the pros and cons of completing a residency program. So here are your hosts. I'm Dr. Deepan Carr. I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. I'm Dr. Ravinder Mandela. And I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. And we have some exciting news at Four Eyes. We finally have an Instagram account. So make sure um, after listening to this episode to follow us at Four Eyes Optom. So F-O-U-R-E-Y-E-S-O-P-T-O-M and DM us to share your thoughts or comment on our posts and let us know how we're doing. So the first topic in this episode is where would you even start looking when it comes to finding a job? What, what did you guys use as like an outlet to search for jobs? For me, I definitely was a last minute person and didn't consider looking for jobs until after graduation. And after graduation? <laughs> I think Rav also falls into this category. I'm the same. I didn't start looking till after graduation as well. But then I wasn't <laughs> expecting to work till like October too. So I was like, that's okay. Yeah. Really productive people, just letting you guys know. Yeah, no. I, but I mean, that's why I was saying like, it's important to decide when you want to start working because I also wanted to take three months off after school um, just to relax and travel a little bit and then start working. I just looked online like Google, Indeed, linked profiles even, uh, Canadian Association of Optometrists website, Canada's eye care job site. And there's a lot of postings on those and that kind of gives you a lot of opportunities and you should also get in touch with your frame or contact lens representatives in the areas that you're interested in working in because they tend to know which optometrists are hiring and the overall vibe of the clinic and the staff um, since they're the ones interacting with these optometrists who are hiring regularly. And ICO also had an area where fourth years could look and see if there's any job openings in different areas and whatnot. But I feel like it's mainly for the states, though. They didn't, I don't think they had that many options for Canada. But it's like very limited, yeah. I, yeah, it's going to be limited. Right now, I'm currently looking for a job um, because my residency program is almost complete. And I'm also using LinkedIn, which I just started my profile like two months ago. And then Covalent Careers, I use that one too. That was a really good site with a lot of postings. Also, a representative from Covalent Careers will email you if you graduated from a U.S. school. Um, they don't have a... I, yeah, so I got emailed from this representative from Covalent Careers, and I asked about what op- opportunities they had in Canada. So they don't... They have very limited opportunities there. I think there were some in Toronto, maybe some in Vancouver, but they don't really know what jobs are available in Canada. Um, every province has their association website, with classifieds. So if you go there, you'll definitely find what's available. I found uh, when I was looking for jobs, uh, I found mine from, I went on the Alberta Association and under classifieds, they had so many postings available. And a lot of places who actually even hired someone else, they forwarded my resume to other optometrists that were looking. So that's kind of how I found my job. 
Yeah. And then even for those classifieds in the province association websites, make sure you read everything carefully too. Because if it's just like a posting that says optometrist wanted and then doesn't say anything about their clinic or whatever, just gives an email, that's probably possibly a position that you don't want if they're not really revealing any information about their clinic. And and I found I found those listings particularly really difficult to apply for because like Rav said, I try to make a cover letter for everyone that I'm applying to. But sometimes the postings will just say, yeah, like optometrists wanted full time. And they don't tell you the name of the practice. They don't even tell you the location. And so I don't know how to make my cover letter you know approachable to them because I don't know where are you located where's your patient base I also do want to mention um that even though Rav and I started looking for jobs much later um I think it's still important to consider yeah like look for jobs as early as you can like attend school events conferences you know where there's a lot of outside optometrists looking for associates But I'm just like, I think we're just saying if you didn't do that or if you didn't get the chance to network that much in school, it's still going to be okay. Like there's still a lot of opportunities in Canada and And the States. I'm graduating my residency program in June. All the places that I'm applying to are like, oh, are you free now? Are you like, are you ready to go next month? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no. And they're like, uh, we'll keep your resume. We'll we'll let you know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you in five months. And I'm like, okay, bye. It, if I feel like you have a better chance if you've already made a connection with an, with an OD. So speaking of connections, what kind of connections are important? Or what do you guys think are important? So I think when you're doing your rotations, the private practice clinics you work at, those are key. Actually, one of my jobs that I landed was through a, one of my private practice rotations. So even though I did my rotation in Ontario, Hamilton, my doctor knew people here in Alberta and she referred me out here and that's how I got one of my job from that yeah and another hint like when you're looking applying for jobs like do look at um, optometrists who graduated from your school because they're actually more likely to hire you if you graduated Mm -hmm. from the same school like you have that kind of connection with them so Unless I know, they like, were scarred for life and they hated that school. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> oh, I was going to say for uh, Deepon and Rav, what was your interview process like? What kind of questions did they ask or what, what questions did you prepare for? So the for me, the most common question I got was literally just tell me about yourself. Just give me a 60 second summary about who you are and what you're interested in and why you specifically want to work at our clinic and also talk about like your rotations and everything. So you should kind of have like a 60 second spiel about, you know, where you're from, where you graduated, your externships and what your interests are in optometry. If you did any residencies or fellowships and yeah, why you want to work at their clinic specifically. Yeah, mainly people like just, it's like, it's not really an interview. They're just kind of asking like, when can you start your availability on yeah. Saturdays? Yeah, that's, that's a big, like yeah. one of the biggest questions they ask because they don't want to waste time if you don't fit their schedule yeah. or you yeah. don't fit their needs and when you're available. So they're like, let's just save both parties time. Were you guys ever asked about having some sort of a business plan or what, what contributions would you make to the clinic? Did you so have that any was of that prepped? Yeah, so that was the second most common question I got asked. Like, 
where do you think you'll be in five to 10 years? What are your career goals? Like, what are your business plans? Exactly. That's kind of what I got asked quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I definitely prepared answers to that. Um, so I think that's really important to have that prepared as well. What were your business goals? Yeah. What were your, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So mine is to eventually own or partner up with someone to own my own practice. I mean, that's mainly like one of the biggest reasons why I moved to where I moved, right? Because it um, has a lot of opportunity for that compared to bigger cities like Calgary or Edmonton. Like you have to see, they just want to see what you're planning to do or if you're going to leave in like a couple years and kind of do your own thing or if you're planning to stay there. Because a lot of these employers are looking for someone that's going to stay long term, right? So It's hard to um, stay honest in the interview um, because you want to say the right things because you want to impress them. But then at the same time, in the back of your mind, if you have something different, that person that hires you now is going to be really disappointed in like in two years down the road when you're leaving right so I feel like honesty is always like the best policy if you're really if you're really planning to look for a job and you only want to be there for like one two or three years like short term you'd have to still show them that you being there for that short amount of time is still going to benefit their practice yeah in the long run so yeah it's important to figure that out kind of going more into the interview style so Definitely for phone interviews, you really want to sound kind, welcoming, enthusiastic, happy. You want to sound like all those things because they're not going to be able to see your facial expressions. Um, so anything that you say, even if it's in this like kind of monotone voice, it might come off the wrong way. On, like you, Not interview through email, but like when you're applying through email and you're trying to set up an interview, just the way you portray yourself in the email, like add your manners in, you know? Yeah. A lot of people and check your grammar for the things. love of God, please yes. check your grammar. Deepa's really I into can't. grammar, guys. She's not going to hire can't. any of no, you No, but it's like, it's honestly, spell. it's so true. Like I will, if anyone's grammar is off, I'd be like, nope, next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true. You graduated from yeah. graduate school. Yeah. You should be able to take the time to read over your emails and check your grammar well, two or three times, whatever that. it takes. I would also say with the resume itself, yes. I mean, granted, I haven't seen any optometry resumes, but I've seen a lot of resumes just for being a tech or front desk. And I could, there are so many bad resumes. Yeah. And make sure you show up 15 minutes early. I know some yeah, people think this true. is ridiculous, but show up 15 minutes early because it does matter. Because if it does matter, you yeah. walk in at like your interviews at four, you walk in at four or four or one. You're automatically... You're tardy. Just yeah, tardy. <laughs> below anyone else. Um, so when you guys were being interviewed, what did you ask the employer? The first thing I talked about was, how much am I, am I getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did not. No, no, I did. I pay seriously those did. Loans. Yeah, yeah. I was... Because, you know, like the optometrist that is hiring you, if they know that you went to a U.S. school, they know how many loans, like what your loans are. So... My very first question, to be honest, was, yeah, what is the pay and how will I be getting paid? And they were like, yep, fair enough. Let's talk about that first. Like, Because it is one of the main things. So I feel like, yeah, they bring it themselves up. Like, But that's why you should also ask, ask other optometrists, like, well, what is the expected pay? And then you can have that discussion too, right? 
we definitely have when our business mm-hmm. manager asks um, some people if they graduate from a certain like a program. Yeah, like a program. And they in, in this program, for some reason, they tell them that you need to demand this amount of money or you walk away. That's really good to point out because, yeah, if you do do a specialty program, like for ODs, if you do a residency or a fellowship, I feel like that's a big thing you want to throw out because that's your extra hard work that you did. So you want to be paid accordingly based on the amount of effort you put into all of that specialty training and education. Um, What other things would you ask your employer aside from money? I think one of like a really important one is, is your income based on the products that you sell or the exams that you see? Or is it just a straight up yearly salary, a daily salary? Like another one is like, you want to know how many patients are you seeing in one hour? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Some clinics you're seeing about four, some clinics you're seeing about two. I think an important question that I asked during some of my interviews were, what is the support staff that you get? So do I get a pre-tester or am I doing all the pre-testing myself as well? Am I working alongside the optician? Um, Are there managers or am I working just by myself all day and no one's around and I'm just lonely? I think also um, with the pre-testing, you need to be specific with what exactly pre-testing is being done because there's a big difference between just case history and then you come in yes, and do everything else that's true depending on the clinic that might be their pre-testing you know what yeah I mean? what did you guys look for in the employment contracts after the interview well i mean i, I didn't really specifically look for anything i just read mine and went oh okay <laughs> once you <laughs> asked what the salary like, was you were like yeah that's good i'll sign anything <laughs> <laughs> no i think yeah uh what the term is like there should be an automatic renewal after a year or six months to a year is common mine was a year a lot of people like when they're starting up they negotiate uh six months of contract just in case because they're new and i did that so a really good one that i i didn't really think about in the past was is the job paying for any professional fees licensing fees malpractice insurance any of that kind of stuff, which I guess you can also talk about in the interview. But um, in the contract, I think that's a really Mm -hmm. important one to check because those are all additional fees that you'll be paying off annually. Oh, and also if they pay for any CE or like time off to do CE. So in the optometry field, like a lot of them, you're like an independent contractor rather than an employee. Like often, like 90% of the time, you're paying for your own licensing fee. You're paying for your own insurance. And you don't get any money if you're sick or you're traveling for CE. So I think that's one downfall. There's like pros and cons to being an independent contractor because you're going to be an independent OD, which is great because that means you're setting pretty much your own hours. You're setting your own fees for the exams and all of the extra services. So that's like kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, that's interesting. In terms of taxes, I think it's that's where it becomes really important. Like you're responsible for your own income taxes, employment insurance, premiums, all those kind of things. And just have a really good accountant. That's that's what I'm going to say on that. And then that's where you kind of make some of your money back too. is you can file when you go away for your CE hours. You can file the flight, the stays, the meals. Yeah, that's really good to know. Well, Alex, since you work with your dad, do you guys have any contract put in place for your practice? We haven't made a contract, but with my it's different with my dad in 
the relationship I have with my dad where I trust him fully and I think he trusts me a lot too. I normally would say that everyone should have a contract no matter what, but since it's my dad, it's a little bit different for me. So yeah, I feel like we were all thinking like if we were to work with maybe our siblings or even like cousins or even with each other, like even though we're all really, really good friends. But I don't trust you. No, but you know, having that, having a contract for when there is conflict, it's good to have like the contract as being that mediator. It is. No, my dad and I have very similar views to how we want to run the practice. And we've talked about it over the years as well. Um, I think we're really similar in our morals as well, um, which helps. But those are really good points for anyone that might be partnering up with any other like person that owns a practice. Like you should be able to talk about all these things and everything. And just with family members, it's really dependent on the person and how they feel about that relationship. So that relationship is personal to that person. So it's only you that can decide if it's a good idea to make a contract with that person. And obviously for Alex, for, like that decision was made for herself because she knows her dad and her relationship, right? So none of us can tell you like, yes, you should make a contract every single time with a family member or friend. That's completely on you. So you have to make that decision. We also, in this episode, we want to go over what sort of income you should actually expect, especially as a new grad, because we are all new grad optometrists here. What was the expected income that you guys were, that you guys thought of before starting? So in Edmonton, a lot of places when I was applying, the general offer for like half day of work, so that's like four hours, um, the minimum they will give you is 250 and then for a full day, it's 400 So again, this is you as an independent contract, so they're not counting taxes. Certain places, they might do additional 10% from all the billings, so not the, not the sales from glasses, so just the eye exams. Often, the additional 10% is normally I've seen in retail, so where you're seeing more patients. And this is very similar in Calgary. Yeah, I was going to say, you work in a big city, Rav, so mm -hmm. for Deepon, if you work in a rural area, how did you expect your salary yeah, to so be different? Yeah, so it depends how rural the rural area is. <laughs> so um, I'm like two hours, two hours to three hours away from a bigger city, right? So you should expect a little bit higher of a salary than $400 as the daily minimum. Um, but if you work in like a rural area where there is not any nearby city, like five or six hours away, there's less competition, but you should also be expecting a much higher salary, like around 150,000 a year. Um, that's what's advertised in Alberta for their more rural areas. But the main reason why they do that is to attract more applicants because nobody really wants to live in those areas, right? The main point I want to make out with that is if you're not accustomed to small town living, don't do it's it. It's <laughs> probably not for you. Yeah, because well, and especially with the things that you can do around the small town because even like up where I live it's a small town, but there's so many outdoor activities. If you are not an outdoor person, I yeah. do not recommend moving to Alaska. <laughs> like... uh, yeah, or even any working in any kind of small town if you're not an outdoorsy person, if you don't like to do those kind of hobbies that they offer, just triple, like double, triple think about what, where you want to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good for you. It's not good for the patients. It's not good. Exactly. For you don't, you want to make sure your mental health, physical health, emotional health is all okay during that time. Right. Yeah. 
that's pretty much the same story here in California. So the salary ranges or like the average salary um, ranges between those different modes of practice, but the average salary would be about 110 to 120,000. Um, but there are definitely a lot of job opportunities more in the rural areas of California, and they are definitely offering way more than that. But that's the hard part again, is that it's tough to want to move there if you're definitely a city person. Yeah. So I talked to a couple of friends in uh, Ontario, specifically in Toronto, Brampton area. Their pay or income is, it depends on where you work. So if you're working in an optical store, you are expected to get about 75 to 100% off all the billings. But um, remember that their exam fees are less because you're not really doing a full exam. So their exam fees are around 60 to $80 because a lot of these places won't have OCTs or visual fields. Optometry clinics, Again, it's kind of similar to Alberta, about like 20% of the total sales. But I think it's just more in Toronto, there's a lot more optical stores that have uh, optometrists. But then again, you're only working about three to four hours as well. And um, talk to a couple of friends in Chicago as well. Um, again, Chicago, it ranges around 95 to 120K starting. Um, and also in Chicago, the general rule is $50 an hour. Uh, but if, again, if you're working in more rural areas, not in heart of Chicago, um, you can look at starting at about 130K. Well, that's not what I see in the residency. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't even see half of that. I see way less. I do want to give in a big plug for residency programs, however, because, you know, I did not decide to do a residency program until like the month before applications even opened up in fourth year. I was like really headstrong on not doing it. I was not interested in the pay. So I was definitely swayed by my attendings during my externship sites and I totally regret feeling like that in the past because this residency program has been so good to me. There's so many benefits to doing a residency program. It's hard to want to do one when you look at the pay because yes, the salary sucks. But what's really good about it is that they still give you, you know, your paid time off, your paid academic leave. So you still get to do all your CEs. You get to go to your annual meeting. So there's a, a big give and take with the residency program just because the salary is low that's not the only thing that you should be focusing on because at the end of the day the residency really does pay off if you're planning to implement what you learn in your residency program into the real world when you're looking for a job I think it's really important to like think when you're thinking about a residency especially if you're coming back to Canada um, to consider how, like, I know we were just talking about this, but how your residency is going to help you. So, for example, if you're planning to do a contact lens specialty, I think that's really helpful in a place like Canada because you can bring all that knowledge and training. You know, you should expect a higher salary because you're going to bring more profit, more patience to that practice, right? I guess we should answer why we didn't do a residency yeah. now. I really took into consideration like the place that I was going to work and what opportunities they provided. Mm -hmm. And I figured, you know, I can learn a lot of these things on my own by going to conferences or CE lectures and taking the time to do that. I think same thing here as Deepon, like 
don't think that while you're in school or residency, that's the only time you're going to learn. Definitely, you can yeah, learn definitely. as your career progresses. And there's always going to be new technology, always going to be new things that are coming out. So definitely like going to seminars. Optometry is a lifelong learning career. If you didn't it know is, that by yeah. now, get oh. out. Like, you're going to be, you're gonna be I mean, learning Alex's forever. dad should have retired by now, <laughs> but he's still, I mean, we saw him at AAO in Orlando yeah. just recently. So, I mean, he's still... Still learning. <laughs> so if you decide to do residency or not do residency, it's fine. But, you know, whatever your heart desires or whatever your passion is, it's, yeah. the, it's the right choice. So for any Canadian optometry students that are on an F1 student visa and doing optometry school in the States, um, if you are looking to continue working in the states after optometry school the f1 student visa has an extension called the the opt visa so optional practical training extension um if you are interested in staying in the states for at least one additional year um you would have to let your optometry school know because since the visa is under the optometry school they have to um, contact uscis and let them know to change your f1 visa into an opt um one last thing we've kind of forgot to mention was when your contract when you're reading your contract one thing to look out for is um, restrictions on certain kilometers so especially like when you're working or as soon as you're done working um normally a lot of places will have like from two to three years you can't work a certain uh, radius so normally in canada it's roughly around three to five kilometers um sometimes so in miles that's about roughly two and two two to three miles um so that i think that's very important especially in a rural area i had a friend who worked in a rural area um and her restriction was 15 miles wow that's really high oh yikes so um and also looking at when you can take uh your vacation times too right because i think you don't realize these things while you're signing it but you get this after so like um again a friend in Chica- a friend in chicago uh her contract said that she needs to give a 3 month notice in order to get any time off so i think that's um pretty ridiculous so i think it's these are the things you want to negotiate um main things you want to negotiate and i think for any contract or any legal paper that you have just make sure you have an employment lawyer or someone you trust who is more experienced in understanding legalities or law lingo to read over that contract so you understand every detail because you don't want to sign something that you don't understand and then it later bites you and you're like oh I didn't know that and then you're kind of Yeah, there's definitely a lot of resources out there to find lawyers who even specifically help ODs Mm -hmm. um, because I know some some of those types of people came even to ICO or they were just promoted, you know, as like if you're thinking of finding a job and you have a contract, bring it over and, you know, they'll, they'll give you like a free consultation and things like that. Thanks everyone for listening to Four Eyes. Make sure to subscribe and look out for new episodes every Wednesday. Until then, stay tuned. Oh,